Exodus 3. Hear the word of God. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, which, by the way, is also Sinai, and it's the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Moses answered, we're now in chapter 4. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak 
and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I'll help both of you speak, and we'll teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it'll be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. This is the word of the Lord. So those of you who are regularly here and know that it's my habit to walk you through every line of the passage that we read are now terrified that we may not get out of here today. So I will let you know ahead of time, I'm not going to do it quite that way, just most of them. So we're going to start with the idea of, that's a bad title, by the way. So if someone come up with a better title for my sermon by the time I'm done, that would be very handy. Um, we're going to start out with basic Bible tools, because when you read a passage of Scripture, how you come to it actually shapes what you get out of it, all right? So what question you ask determines in all conversations what kind of answers you get. So I want to suggest these two basic Bible study questions, which you can use with any group or by yourself anytime you read a passage of Scripture, because they focus you on the two main things. What does this teach us about God, and what does this teach us about humans and how they function, all right? This gets us away from, should I be like the person in the story, right? It's a little easy, this one. You should be like Moses, but not at this part of his life, right? So that gets a little more complicated. What does it teach us about God? What does it teach us about humans? We will look at this passage and try and understand a bit of that. So this story, like many wonderful stories, starts with a powerful image that if you are in Sunday school or have been in Sunday school, you've drawn this picture before, I guarantee it, right? This summer, uh, Pastor Brady's going to preach on Jonah, right? And the main character in the book of Jonah is a... Yeah, Fisher will. No, that's what you're going to learn. So you're welcome. You got a little hint on where he's going. There are two verses in the entire book of Jonah about the fish. All right, that's his sermon. Never mind, I'll do mine. Memorable image here is, of course, the burning bush. There, the angel of the Lord, interesting that an angel of the Lord and the Lord get intermixed here in the story, appeared to Moses in the flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire... It did not burn up. I assume this Pentecost banner has been here like for three weeks, right? Okay. I'm noticing it now because I'm really observant about things like that. We have been doing the fire thing for the last few weeks, right? Pentecost is when the tongues of fire come. Um, we looked at the fire around the camp in Numbers 11 two weeks ago. And last week in Isaiah, we also talked about though we walk through the fires, right? Um, that God is on fire. God is fire. He shows up in fire many times. But he is not necessarily a consuming fire, that he has this un unbelievable ability to be that powerful as, as God, but at the same time gentle and not burning things up. That's the image of a, fire, a bush on fire that's not being consumed. We can be on fire, we can have God inside of us and not explode, right? That's the kind of inter, um, that dynamic of who God is. This has happened a few times in the Bible. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Or if you know the, Sam the Samuel story, it's Samuel, Samuel. And the response is, here I am. 
right? That's the right response, by the way. If God ever calls your name, say, here I am, and see where it goes next from there. And he makes a really good start, right? You've heard the whole story because I just read it, so you know this is going to go south a little bit pretty soon. So we want to at least point out that Moses started bang on. Take off your sandals, said God, for the place where you're standing is holy ground, right? And God says a few more things. And then Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God, right? When, when God calls you, if God calls you by name, you're probably going to be in sort of a Moses experience where you're going, where do I hide? How do I get underneath the carpet? How do, I, how do I get out of this space? Because God is God, and that calling is powerful and can be terrifying, right? Um, very quick aside thing. When I was first called into ministry, I spent the next two years making sure that I didn't, pretended I did not hear that God had called me into ministry, right? Sort of trying to hide under the carpet. It's a terrifying idea. That's all I'll say about that for today. God's compassion for the people. So this God who shows up as fire and in the fire says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying, crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering, right? So who is God? God is the powerful figure who shows up as fire, not consuming the bush, but he's also the one who has incredible compassion. He has a heart for his people. Right? And I think we, we need to keep that dynamic of God in mind all the time, that God is both the incredible creator of this world who's so powerful that if we actually saw him, it would wipe us out, possibly kill us. And at the same time, he's the one who says, come into my presence. I feel your pain. I know what's going on for you, and I want to be present to you and help you. That kind of both dynamic of those things. All right, so there's five questions and answers. There's this dialogue between Moses and um, God that I want to walk through. And I love this start because it's a great question and an even better answer. Moses said to God, and maybe you've thought this too, when God or someone asks you on behalf of God to do something, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God says, this is who you are, Moses. You're so good at this, and you're so good at this, and you're so... No, he doesn't even worry about Moses. He says, I will be with you. I love that answer, right? So when you're wondering, who am I to do the thing that God's calling me? Who am I to stand for counsel? Who am I to lead? Who am I to be a preacher? Who am I to be a teacher? Who am I to do all these things? God goes, good point, but I'll be with you. And what makes all the difference in the world is not how much ability you have, but whether or not God is with you. Have you ever seen God speak in incredibly powerful ways through people who don't speak particularly eloquently? Don't be pointing at me right now. That would be a little bit awkward for this moment. Right? God has the ability to move in ways where we're going, that didn't fit the bill for what we expect out of abilities and strengths. His answer to who am I is, I am with you. Don't worry about who you are. Worry that I am with you. Think about this, this is the next line. And this will be the sign to you that it's I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God on this mountain. See what's going on there? God says, I'm going to give you a sign so that you know for sure that I'm with you on this journey of bringing the Israelites out. And I'll show you that sign when everything's done. Isn't that wonderful? That's his gift to you as well. Do you want to know when God will reveal to you exactly what he wanted you to do with your life? It'll be when you're done with your life, right? This is called faith and trust 
and knowing that God is with me is the answer, not what can I do, how much can I do, am I doing the right thing? Those are, those are secondary questions at best, right? Who am I to do what God's calling me to do? God is with me. God is with you. That's our answer. Second question answer. Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Try this with somebody sometime. So what's your name? I am who I am. That goes over really well, by the way. There's another version of it. I will be who I will be. Not more helpful. Just maybe connects that. This saying of who God is is not a defining thing. Because the purpose of a name, by the way, at least in, in biblical um, structures, is the name kind of gives you control over someone, right? So if you've ever, um, if you ever get involved in delivering somebody, um, and I mean from demonic influence, one of the things you need to figure out is what is the name of the thing that is, is infecting a person? Because when you name it, you, in the name, you take authority over it, and then you're casting it out, right? When you're trying to make a sale in a more... Um, when you're trying to make a sale, the first thing you want to know is what's this person's name? Because as you say their name regularly, you're building relationship, you're making connection, right? And so when God says, I am who I am, he's not being flippant. He's saying, you can't fully know who I am. And as we understand from the entire Old Testament, they never said his name out loud. So there's no way God was going to say his name out loud here. God is far beyond our ability to define and to name. That's why there's so many different images and pictures and, and, and names for God, because none of them capture and say, this is who he is, right? He's saying, Moses, again, trust me, I have a name, but I am who I am. Third question and answer, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second sign. In other words, Moses gets these amazing signs. So again, I always remember, Moses' introduction to this conversation was what? A bush that wasn't burning because God was in it and it was on fire. And yet he needs two signs and then a third backup sign. God seems to be cluing into who Moses is here, right? So either throw your staff on the ground and pick it up because, or as, as a snake, or put your hand in your cloak and it becomes leprous, or just turn the Nile into blood. And if you know the story moving forward, spoiler alert here, Pharaoh doesn't believe these signs. People aren't sure about these signs. There is something about us that even though God shows up in all of his power, we go, yeah, but I'm not sure. Right? And so God gives this collection of signs, all of which give him opportunity to show exactly who he is, a God who is persistent, who's consistent, and comes back again and again to meet us, his people. Number fourth, we're no longer asking questions. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, never in the past, or I mean neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. Are you noticing the irony of that? He is doing a bang-on job of talking his way out of this interview. Right? He seems very eloquent right now. And anyone know who wrote the first five books of Moses? And anyone know how many times it says, and Moses said in there? Right? So we're going to see here, I think. Yep. First, this is God's response. 
who gave human beings their mouth? Again, who are we talking to here, right? And, and I just want to, I want to lead into that part for a minute because this is a church, assume you knew that, and churches are God places. We believe in Jesus. We celebrate that the Holy Spirit has come, so God lives inside of us, right? And let's be honest, so often we focus so much on what are the human beings among us doing? What's our structure? What's our system? What are our thoughts? Right? And we need to continue to remember that we serve somebody who... Where'd it go? Oh, there's no crossing here right now. That was awkward. I didn't point that out. Um, we serve a God who's died on a cross and came back from the dead. Oh, it's way up there. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. I knew it was in here somewhere. Right? We, that's who we worship. And so... We're going to be frustrated with Moses here because he's missing the point. But of course, when we read these stories, they're meant to be little mirrors for us where we go, oh, that's right. I sometimes also forget that the God we are collectively serving and the people whose we are, whose people we are, is the God of all power. He's the God of resurrection. He's the God of hope. So God says to Moses, now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Moses thought he was slow of speech because he didn't want to speak. God reminded him of who is the word, who's the one who gives you the words each step of the way. Number five, back to the fire. All of those things happen, and Moses, in my summary, just says, uh, yeah, no. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else after all of this, right? So the one thing you got to give Moses, he's got chutzpah, right? He's standing in there. He's having a showdown with God where God answers all his questions and, and gives him all the direction that he possibly needs. And he goes, yeah, that's a nice chat, God, but no, I'm not doing this. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and if this was you and I playing the role of God, we would have taken that fire. Everyone think for yourself, what would you have done? You would have at least zapped Moses, right? You would have burnt his feet or something, right? You would have got his attention. What does God do? He says, yeah, basically, yes, you're going to go. God is incredibly patient and compassionate. I hear from so many people regularly, I think God must be mad with me because, you know, I've messed some things up in my life. He couldn't possibly want to use me and so on. Read the story of Moses. Moses screwed this up badly other than the beginning part, right? Moses pushed back against God who was incredibly, miraculously present to him right in that moment. And if you know the rest of the story, Moses still went. God still used him. He actually never stopped talking for the rest of the time in spite of his apparent speech impediment, right? This is how our compassionate God works. He sees you. He understands your questions. He lets you ask a bunch of them. It does bother him because he's God and he made you and he knows exactly what he can do through you, right? But he continues to be patient with us and calling us to that next step. And so for us with each other and our community and ourselves, we're called to that same sort of passionate compassion, that understanding that this is a journey, that we walk on it slowly. I'd love to not admit that 
it's very frustrating sometimes to be a pastor of a church and try and lead people into the next steps, right? And to call them, hey, you should try this out. This would be a great thing for you to grow and have them go, you don't say it like this, but it sounds a lot like this to me. Yeah, no. Thanks for the offer, but no, right? We are a people on a journey, and that's messy. We are Moseses, right? We are people who get stuck in this thing and need God to continue to show his power to us, right? But know this, God will find a way, and he will get us there. It is easier, by the way, if you volunteer and offer yourself, right? But God will, no mis- make no mistake, get you to the place where every knee bows and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord in heaven and on earth. So, in case you wanted a summary of this, this is it. Moses' questions were, who am I? But himself, who are you? God. What about them? So he got all the different options, right? Me, you, God, and all these people. It's got to be somebody's fault that this isn't going to work. And then... When that was done, I can't, never mind, I won't. And God's simple answer, if you want to summarize it, is I am and I will. And Moses goes, make no mistake about that. In spite of this goofy conversation with God, Moses does go and we will go too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that When you walked on this earth and you had a call, even though you prayed to your Father to take this cup from you, that you went in full sacrifice and all the way to the end. And we know, Lord, from your word that you continue to call us, your people, to live out all kinds of different things, to participate in ministries, to have relationships, to be forgiving, um, to live out our lives and careers um, in ways that serve and honor you. And we pray that you would continue to help us say, here I am, Lord, send me. And we pray, Lord, with thanksgiving that you recognize and you hear and you have patience with our excuses. But help us also to trust and to know that you will get us where we need to be and help us to go openly, willingly, and to find the incredible joy of what it means to serve you in the places you call us to be. These things we pray, Lord Jesus, offering ourselves to you in your holy name. Amen.